Hey guys, my name's Aaron. I am um, the youth pastor here. I'm excited to be uh, talking to you guys today. And, um, you know, I love just being able to get up here and share what God has been teaching me and what I've been learning uh, throughout the last few weeks. And so today we're going to be talking about something maybe some of you love, maybe some of you don't love, uh, and that's New Year's resolutions, right? You either love them or you hate them. Some of you are like excited for new changes in your life, whereas some of you are like, I'm already tired of all the Facebook posts about that new diet craze, Whole30 or whatever. I don't, I don't want to do that. I like to eat my own food, right? And so some of you like have friends that are like, oh, I'm going to become so ripped and fast and strong. You're like, I don't really care. Like, I'm just going to be warmer this year, you know? Like, and so, so today we're going to be looking at some New Year's resolutions. And if you do love them or if you don't love them, that's okay. I think that we can learn a lot from the New Year's resolutions and kind of what they're all about. And I think there's really four major parts to a New Year's resolution. There's a goal you have to set, there's training that you have to do, then you have to be persistent to keep training, and then you finally succeed. So looking at goals, the first thing we're going to do is look at some of the top 10 goals for New Year's resolutions. All right, you can see them up there. These are like kind of the standards I found online for the last couple of years. Time with family and friends, fitness, healthy, quitting, smoking or drinking, enjoying life more. Getting out of debt, that sounds fun. Learning, learn some new stuff, helping others, or get organized. Okay, what I want you to do is to yell out what you think is like the number one, like if you were the average American, what do you think number one would be? Go ahead, yell it out. Oh, I heard everything. Okay, okay. Number one is usually like fitness and health. All right, so that's usually like top one or two. Always up there, it's about getting healthy. Now, this is a more fun question. Uh, the next one is, how long do you think the average or most people last at keeping at their goals? Right? One month, three, five, let's hear it. What is it? One month. Yeah, that's right. One month and two weeks, 80% of people quit. All right? One month and two weeks in, you, uh, 80% of us, like if everyone in this room decided to choose one, like, 20 people are still going on after the first month and a half, right? Like 80% of people, and then another 12 after that throughout the year. So 92% of people who start a New Year's resolutions end up quitting and not making it through, right? Kind of crazy, a little intense. So maybe instead of going and paying for that like year-long membership, just go for like the one month, because let's be honest, you're not going to make it, Okay. And that's okay. That's okay. You know, you could try next year, 2019. It's, it's not too far away. All right? And so what, uh, the next thing you have to do, though, is after you have your goal, is hopefully persist through, right? If you make it past the first month of training or of working at it, the percentage of you actually completing your goal goes through the roof. So if you can make your training go for past that first month of time, like it becomes a new habit of your life. Like, it becomes something that you can handle. It becomes something that you see, like, this is something that I can do every day now. And slowly, then you are able to finish the thing. So it's kind of interesting that after a month, you really have a big chance of getting at your goals. What we call success, right? That there is a chance for us to have success for the goals that we want in our life. Now, there's some tips about some New Year's resolution goals that maybe you want to write down. All right, S start small, 
not, not outrageous goals. Don't pick all the goals. Don't think you're going to change everything at once. Maybe just one thing. Um, share experiences with families and friends. Have a community or somewhere that keep you accountable. Uh, don't beat yourself up when you fail because they say, you know, you should know that you are going to fail at some time. So, you know, when that day comes, you do fail. Don't think that you have to stop everything because of one day of messing up. And the last one is ask for support, right? Ask friends and family around you to help support you or find someone to go uh, at their goals together. So this is great information for New Year's resolutions, and maybe that's what you need today. But what I really think is that this all relates to our relationship with Jesus as well. There's a Bible verse. I like this one. It's 1 Timothy 4. It says, workouts in the gym are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. Right? Trying to be healthy is great. Trying to be a better person, great. But even Better than that is connecting with God because that is something that will help you today and forever is if you are connecting to God here and now. So instead of asking the New Year's resolution goal of like, how can I lose a few pounds? Maybe our goal this year should be, how can I grow in my relationship with Jesus? Or how can I be an effective follower of Jesus this year? Because if we don't set that goal, I think it's hard to like trying to just work at it, right? You just think you might be working at it, but you don't know. But if it's not something you set your eyes on, then I think we are not going to have like a focused intention at going at that. So this is where I think our goal is. So if we look at the four points again, goal, training, persistence, success. The first one is goal. And and this is our goal, to grow in our relationship with God. Now, I need to make two things clear. One, I'm not perfect at this, right? I'm Aaron. I screw up many times a day. Like, I just hung out with youth group kids. Like, I probably messed up in there, right? And so it's like, uh, so don't don't look at me and think like, oh, Aaron's good, or I need to be like Aaron. No, look to Jesus, okay? Uh, The second big thing is that sometimes we think, oh, I need to do more for God to love me more. Or I need to do certain things, and then God will love me. And I think that is something that we need to learn as a, is a lie. Like, God loves you 100% right now. Like, nothing that you can do right now will make God love you more. And that is a, a lie that we live into, that I need to do more things, and then God will love me. No, God loves you absolutely 100%, as much as you can possibly imagine, right now. And so we have to remember that as we look at the rest of these verses today. We're going to be in 2 Peter in verse 1. So if you want to flip there in your Bibles, I'm going to tell you some fun facts about who Peter was. Peter is an apostle of Jesus. An apostle is just a fancy word saying that he walked with Jesus, he lived with Jesus, he followed Jesus' life, he was there and witnessed what Jesus was doing and, how, and everything that Jesus did. Uh, Peter wrote this letter from prison, all right? So he was in Rome in prison, and he probably wrote this, and then not too long after this letter was written, he died. So this is probably one of the last letters that he wrote out to the churches. And what's interesting is he, he wrote this as a letter for it to be passed around to different churches so that a lot of people could hear it. It's kind of like putting a Facebook post out there, right? You want all your friends to see it? That's what Peter was doing here. He's like, hey, this is my message to you guys, and I want you to hear what I have to say. 
So we're going to be looking at this. Verses 3 and 4 is where we're going to start. God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Peter begins with God. I think that's our first focus, and anything and everything that we should do should be to focus on God. Uh, the first thing most of us usually do when we wake up is like turn the alarm off on our phone and then usually I like check Instagram, right? Like uh, instantly, as soon as you wake up, you're on your phone, you're on Facebook, like you have your phone right there and then later in the day we're like, oh yeah, God, blah, 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 right? I think the first thing that Peter, bring, Peter brings us to is to look and focus at who God is because I think when we start our day focusing in God, it can change the rest of our day. And so that's what Peter does. He says, God's divine power, glory, and excellence. God who creates everything and everyone has given us the opportunity for life and godliness. Now, there's one of my favorite verses in the Bible is John 10, 10. It says that Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. Like God didn't just give us breath and a heartbeat and said like, hey, go for it. He says, I want to give you the best life you can possibly have here on earth. Which doesn't mean like riches and fame and money, right? Like that's not it. But God has something even better for us. So he wants us to have life. And then he also says this kind of weird word, godliness. This is one we don't use very often. So this godliness is this great respect for God. That we have this great respect and honor and also that we realize that there's this power and this vital union with God, right? This, this necessary connection with God. And we have that opportunity to have these things, a full, abundant life and godliness, a union with God. And that's where Peter brings us first, that we can actually have a relationship with God. Now, again, I said, uh, let's look at this next verse real quick. In Ephesians 2.8, it says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. All we must do to receive God's life and godliness and grace is through faith, right? To believe in God. It says, there's no, there's not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, right? Like, it's nothing that we do except say, God, I believe in what you have for me, or I trust who you are. And then God says, I will give you my divine nature. He talks about giving us his divine nature, that we get to be a part of it. And it says in Second Peter that we are called to have faith, believe, and have a knowledge of God. And to have a knowledge of God is more than just like, oh, I know who God is, and I know who Jesus is, and I know the stories, but it's to have like an exact, to know really who God is, that God is love and merciful and just like, do we actually understand who God is 
when we read our Bibles or when we sing these worship songs? Are we just saying them or do we actually believe and know who God is? Another one of my favorite verses is James 4, and it says that if we submit ourselves to God and we resist the devil, the devil will flee from you. But if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Like as soon as we say, hey God, I want more of you in my life, or hey God, I want to know who you are, God is excited to draw into us and into a relationship with us. Right? He doesn't say like, oh, keep trying harder. Oh, I'm right here. Just come work a little bit more and you'll find me. He says, as soon as you start saying, hey, God, I want more of you in my life. He says, okay, let's do this together. Let's work at this together. Let's grow in our relationship together. If you want a full life and a relationship with God, then we need to uh, get to know God personally and intimately. Right? That is a task that we are called to do, to get to know God personally and intimately. But what's even crazier than that is God invites us into a relationship, but then he doesn't just leave us. He, he wants us to be a part of his family, and then he, he lets us to go out and do things for him. Now, when I was in about uh, fourth grade in elementary school, we would take recess with third, fourth, and fifth graders. And so it's cool, you get to hang out with everyone, and all the time, we would go and play basketball. And so usually, like, the fifth grade, the best boys would go out and be the captains, and you'd have to choose your teams, right? We've all been there. And you're just praying, really, that you're not the last person, right? You're like, please don't be last. And they're like, you know, okay, Aaron, I'll take you, fine, right? He's like, yeah, you have to. There's no one else here. But one day, there was this guy named Tyler. Tyler was the best basketball player in the world. He was like, he could probably dunk as a fifth grader. He was just like, oh my goodness. Everyone wanted to be on Tyler's team because Tyler was going to win. It was obvious. So one day I'm standing there in my, my thing like, <laughs> you know, like just waiting to get picked. And all of a sudden they're choosing some people. And Tyler looks at me and he says, Aaron, I want you on my team. And I was like, <laughs> all right. Right? Like, that's, I'm Aaron. I'm on Tyler's team. And then I was like, this is kind of, Tyler knew my name. Okay. <laughs> Right? And also, it wasn't like the last kid. I was like middle of the pack. I wasn't the best, but I was mid-pack chosen. I was like, let's go. I got the ball, throw it to Tyler. Get the ball, throw it to Tyler. He loved it when I was on his team. And it's so crazy. It was like, <laughs> it was like a highlight of my elementary school career. Like, you guys remember that time Tyler picked me? Yeah, that's pretty big, you know? But think about that. Like, that's awesome and all. God says, hey, I choose you, and I want you on my team. And I want you to go out into this world for me. Right? Like if you think, oh, Tyler, that was a cool guy. That was great. Aaron loved that moment. If I don't go, oh, man, God chose me to be a light into Dallas. Like five years ago, I didn't even know there was a Dallas, Oregon. Right? Like, and now he's like, Aaron, I want you to be a light in this community. Okay, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm excited to be on this ride with you. And so I think we should be excited that God has chosen us. It's not Oh, God chose me, and he chose him, and he chose him, and he chose him. It's like God chose you to be here and to be a light. So let's be excited about that, that God wants us. Now, Peter uh, Peter continues on, and if we're talking about the four things, this is where it gets a little harder, right? If you have a New Year's resolution goal, like having a goal is great, but then you actually have to go and train. And that is when it gets hard, right? Like after a hard day's work, you have to put on your running shoes and go outside and run. 
right? Or you go to the gym and you actually have to get on the machines and like lift weights, right? It's actually challenging to train. So let's see what Peter has to say here in verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness or patience. With godliness, brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, starts out with, make every effort to supplement your faith. Make every effort to build onto your faith. This is a bit interesting. Growth in a Christian doesn't just happen. If you go and work, if you go to the gym and you just like walk in, like, hey, I'm going to the gym. You walk in the gym and you walk around and you see other people like working out. I'm like, wow, that guy's, that guy's sweaty. That's crazy. That guy's lifting a lot of weights. And they're like, all right, I'm out of here. Right? Like, that was a good day. Right? That's just creepy. Right? <laughs> you got to go to the gym and you actually have to train. You actually have to work out. And here it says that we are called to supplement our faith. Right? That we are called to build onto our faith. Faith is the beginning, yes, but then it must be a part of our lives and change us. Right? When we, have, when we say, I believe in God, that should change how we live. That shouldn't just be like another thing we add on to the day. Like, oh yeah, I, I believe in the Packers. I believe in this thing. And I love these guys. And oh yeah, and I love God. Right? It should radically change our life as soon as we say that we believe God and trust in God. Now, you might be thinking, oh, I thought it was just faith alone. All I needed was faith. And you're right. We're going to look at the verse again. Ephesians 2.8 said, for by grace you have been saved through faith. But look at the last verse here. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them god has created us these good works and he's prepared for us to walk in them and so he has these things out there for us that he's like hey you're a follower of me are you gonna are you gonna see what i'm doing and are you gonna walk along with me in this and I think a lot of times if you're not connected to God or if you don't have a knowledge of God, a lot of these things that God is like, hey, I hope Aaron can do this. I hope Aaron will do this thing or I hope Aaron has this good work. We miss them because we're not looking at God. We're focused on something else. And so yes, it is faith, but it's faith that changes us to live like Christ. And so as we get to know God more and as we get to understand God more, these good works should start to change us and wanting to know God should change us and we should start to look more like Christ. We should start to live like Christ. When the Holy Spirit, or how Peter calls it, the divine nature is in us, it will change your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Too often, I think, in our society, Christianity has become this thing where it's like, hey, we kind of want to fit in with the world so that people will kind of see that, oh, I'm maybe a little bit of a better person. But now we're realizing that's not working. And people are going, hey, you look just like everyone else, 
Why would I want to go and worship that God or worship whatever you think you're worshiping because you look like everyone else? And I think that's a big challenge for me, for my youth, for us, is say, okay, I believe in God, which means I'm going to live a different way in this world. Pastor Ed actually helped me see it like this. When you see a sunset, like your natural reaction when you see a beautiful sunset is just to go like, wow, right? You just automatically, it's not like someone's standing there and you see a sunset and they say, hey, say wow. It's your duty to say wow. And you go, oh, okay, wow, 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 I got you. Right? The same thing happens if we really know who God is. Right? These qualities, these, these things that Peter lists, shouldn't just be like, this is your duty. You should do these things. When we know God, it should naturally flow out of us. Right? We should say, wow, to God, and this is a result. That this, these qualities, are they, are they yours and are they increasing, Peter says. Because we are called to have the characteristics of Jesus. Sadly, we don't have time to go through all of them. But if you think like, and I don't want you to think this is a checklist. Like these aren't a checklist that you go, oh, I have virtue, I have knowledge, I have self. Like I'm good, I'm just like Jesus, nothing else to do. Right? <laughs> I wish, but it's not that easy. Right? And I think there's more. And I also think that that's not Peter's main point. We'll look at that in a second. But let's see, let's say like, oh, I need more patience. You can't just go out and say like, okay, today I'm going to be more patient. And then you have like my four-year-old niece jumping on my back. Like, I'm going to be patient, right? Like, not going to happen. I think what we're really called to do is to look to God. What does God say about being patient? How does Jesus respond when the world is down on him because of how he lives? How does Jesus respond in those times? A lot of times Jesus will, like, step away and go up to a mountain and pray by himself. Right? So if, I think the first thing we are called to do, if we need, if we're like, I have, like, I have a knowledge of God, but I don't have these qualities, is to focus on who God is. Right? To look to God and see what God has to say about them. It's not about trying harder, right, to, to do these things on this list. It's more about training to be like Christ. Are we training? Are we adding on to our faith? To be more like Jesus. Because it says, make every effort to grow in our faith. Don't just try it once in a while. Or don't just do it on Sunday mornings. But every effort to grow in our faith. Let's look at what Peter says next. In verse 8. We'll read that again and read to the end. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to make your calling election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Listen to this. For, if, for in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How many of you have tried to work on a New Year's resolutions and then, like, I'm going to go and run, like, three times a week. And then, you know, the weekends, you only ran twice. You're like, ah, I can miss one time. And then the next week goes by, I can miss another time. And then all of a sudden, you start to slide, and you're like, 
I haven't ran all of 2017, right? Like, okay, next year I'll do it. Or like, you know, I'm going to eat healthy. I'm only going to eat one package of Reese's peanut butter cups. And then all of a sudden you're like eight in and you're like, uh, I got to finish the whole bag of 24, right? Like, <laughs> it's impressive at that point. And so, right, so often, so often we, we take our focus off of God and we start to put it on other things. Or we take our focus off of God and we put it onto ourselves. He, I love the, the image he used here. He says, are you nearsighted? Are you blind? I'm nearsighted, right? Like, if I take my glasses off, I cannot see you. I cannot see anything, right? The only thing I can see when my glasses are me. I can kind like, I'm still kind of blurry because I'm really blind, but, like, I can see me really clear, right? But I can't see you, and I definitely can't look at God. He says, if you're nearsighted and blind, all you're looking at is yourself, Right? How many times do we go, oh, God is great and God is awesome, but I also love uh, this thing and I need a new car and I also love like, my job and I also love this thing and I love money and I love vacations. But are we focused on God first? Is that first in our life? 92% of people quit their New Year's resolution. We got to persist. We can't lose our, like, can't lose our focus on God. We have to keep our eyes on God through the good times and through the bad, right? There's going to be trials and challenges in your life, but that's the time we have a community together. I tell our students this all the time. Being a Christian isn't something that you do on your own. If you're like at home studying and you're like, oh, okay, there's this thing in my life that I need, I'm challenged with or some sin that I'm dealing with. And like, okay, I'm going to work on it. I'm going to do it by myself. I'm like, you're setting yourself up for failure. Like Christianity, this thing we do is a family thing. So I always tell our students, if there's ever anything you're dealing with, like you can come to me and I have people in my life that I can go to when I'm dealing with things or struggling with things. Because that's what Christianity all is about. Being a family together. So we have to be focused on God. We can't stop listening to God. We have to focus. Because if we think we can take the easy way out, right? If you think like running is hard, so I'm just going to not run. That's fine, but that's the easy way. If you say, hey, following God is challenging. I'm just not going to do it anymore. Right? You have no more battles, no more challenges, no more struggles that you have to fight with. You can just do whatever you want. And you're okay with that. Whereas Jesus calls us to live in certain ways. But when we say no more following God, we also have no more companionship with Jesus. No more relationship. No more looking forward in hope. So yeah, an easy life is not always the best life. Following Jesus is challenging. It's too easy to go back to the old ways. It's too easy to go back to to my life in sin. It's a challenge to wake up every day and say, hey God, I'm dedicated to you through everything. Putting aside our own desire to be God and submitting to God's will. That's what we're called to do. To not want to be God's ourselves. And so if we have a goal and we train at it by getting to know God, and we persist through the trials and the challenges, we can move to success. We, and so we can move to success, which results in these qualities growing in our life. 
right? These success looks like becoming more like Jesus. He says to not fall away in faith. And Peter, at the very end, says this amazing thing that there will be richly provided an entrance into the internal kingdom of your Lord Jesus Christ. Right? That is the success that we are working for. To move closer to God every day. Right? I think every day we are either moving closer to God in a relationship with Jesus or we're moving further away. I don't think you can actually just stand still like, oh, I'm good. I'm going to stand here and just sit in my spot and be good with where I am in Jesus. You slowly start to slip back. So I think we have to have an active at working at growing in our relationship with Christ. So are we becoming more like Christ every day? I have a couple friends that um, chose the goal of running a 10K race, which is about six miles, right? They had this goal, and they wanted to work at it together, and they knew they weren't going to break any records or be super speedy at all, but they knew that this was a goal they had set for themselves, right? They didn't make the goal and the next day go and try to run the race, Right? That would be crazy to say like, hey, uh, tomorrow I want to run a marathon and then let's go do it. Right? Like, that doesn't work. What you have to do is work slowly. And what they did was slowly train, working a little harder and going a little further each week to run right? so that they can make it to this mileage of 10 miles or, I mean, six miles. But there are times that they wanted to stop. Right? Times you get tired of waking up early to run. Times you get injured. And you're like, ah, I'm hurt. I got to take a few days off. That felt really nice. I'm not going to run anymore. Right? But they had each other there to work at it. And when race day finally came, they ran the race. And was it challenging? Yes. Did one of them think they were going to die? Yep. Did one of them vow to never run in a race again after that? Yep. But you know what they did? They finally, they ran the race and they succeeded. Right? At the end, they might have got a medal or a t-shirt or something like that, but that wasn't the, that wasn't the reward. Right? The reward was that they had this goal and they now met it. Right? And so the question for us today is what is our goal? Do we really want to grow in our relationship? Do we want a meaningful relationship with God and growing in our faith? Is that something we actually act- actively strive to work at? Or is it something we're just hoping happens because we come to church once in a week, once a week, or we open our Bible every once in a while? Are we actively working at it? And that we need to train, right? That we need to train at this to get to know God more personally and intimately. Are we actively working at getting to know God? Do we know who Jesus is? Do we know who God is through this word? And then we must persist then we must be persistent, right? We must submit to God's will and to God's way and not look at ourselves, not be nearsighted, right? Not put ourselves first, but to put God first. And when those trials and challenges come up in our lives, do we have others around us that can help us through those things? And then for finally, we reach success, becoming more like Jesus, having a fruitful life, And then eventually, one day, having an eternal kingdom, being a part of God's kingdom forever. There will be trials. There will be challenges. There will be struggles as we strive to be more like Jesus. But God loves you, 
and he wants a relationship with you. Not just to be part of my team and now you're there and just sit around, but to be part of my team and be actively being a light in the world because God loves you and wants that relationship. And as our relationship grows with God, God can work in our lives and through our lives to bring about transformation in this world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time and I thank you for what you're doing in my life, in our lives as a church community and as in the world as followers of Christ. Lord, I pray that we truly put this as a goal in our lives to grow in our faith with you, that we grow in our relationship with you, that we know that we actually have to work at it, Lord, and help us through those hard days so that I can keep growing towards you. Lord, I pray for each one of these these guys and gals in this room that they know they're loved and that they see how much you care about them and that it radically changes their life. Lord, I thank you for your love and your care. Even though we screw up, you still love and care care for us. Lord, we do this all to glorify you. In your holy and precious name, amen.